I'm glad you're listening today. We're considering Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 through 35, and the Lord Jesus' teaching on the end times. In this passage, our Lord refers to the fig tree, and he speaks of its appearing in a specific time frame. We're going to consider what it is he was referring to and see that it has a significant application for our own lives today. Hello, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. This program is brought to you by the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can learn more about us by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. As we take up consideration of Jesus' teaching on the end times, remember that as he taught these truths, he projected all his listeners into that time period. We're not to suppose that we won't be around at the end. We're to live in light of the return of Jesus Christ at his coming judgment. With that in mind, allow me a short promotion. We've built a new website focused at professing Christians called testyourtestimony.com. Testyourtestimony.com. It's an important site that will help you obey the command of God that we test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Jesus said when he returned that many would say, Lord, Lord, to him, and his response would be, Depart from me, I never knew you. What an awful moment. One arrived at by a false presumption of saving faith. Testyourtestimony.com was developed so that an individual may have a true assurance of their salvation. Remember that site name and go there and please share it with someone else. Now to Matthew 24 and the Olivet Discourse. First thing I want you to see here is that the prophets used the fig tree as a figure of Israel. If you go back and look in Jeremiah chapter 24, for example, Jeremiah is prophesying a judgment that's coming upon Judah, and in that prophecy, he presents the unrepentant nation and those who were unrepentant in the nation as spoiled figs, as bad fruit because they have not brought forward repentance, and because of that, God is about ready to come upon them in judgment, and they're about ready to experience sword and famine and pestilence. He also speaks of good fruits or good figs in chapter 24 of Jeremiah 7. And these are individuals, he says, who will know God because they will return to God with their whole heart. In other words, they're good figs because they'll repent and they'll turn back from their sin and they'll turn to God. And so there's the bad fruit which are unrepentant and there are the good fruit that are are repentant. And that's the portrait of Israel in the image of the fig. Now, Let's put this to John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes years later. John the Baptist is a prophet, and he comes before the nation, and he's preaching a message. And what is John the Baptist's message, in essence? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven at hand. The Messiah is coming, and and you as a nation, and you as a people need to repent. And the people began to gather to John the Baptist in order to hear this message. And John the Baptist also said, listen, the acts of God is at the root of the trees, and the trees are about ready to be cut down, And what God is looking for is he's looking for the fruit of repentance. And don't say to yourself, well, we don't have to repent or turn to God because we're the children of Abraham because God can raise up any tree to be a child. You need to repent. In fact, go to Matthew chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 through 10, which gives us the witness of John the Baptist's ministry. Matthew writes, in those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with leather belt around his waist, 
and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, these are the leaders of Israel, coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Again, the message is to the Jewish people and the Jewish nation, and it's a call that they bring forth the good fruit of repentance that God found in a remnant through the word of Jeremiah back in Jeremiah 24. Well, quickly, repentance is the acknowledgement of sin. Repentance is a turning away from that sin into obedience that God desires. Repentance is, above all, a changing of our mind to set our heart and our mind and our souls upon loving God and surrendering our lives into his hand. It's, it's turning back from our own self-interest and our own self-salvation and our own self-governance, and it's yielding our lives over completely to the governance and the salvation that only God can provide. It's, repentance is actually not a harsh word. It's a call of God that is kind and loving. It's an invitation. It's a call to recognize the sin that separates from him. And to understand that sin has horrific consequences if it's carried out and pursued. It's a call back to God, the God of life. The God who would rescue us from destruction. The God who's in his very nature is one to bless and to benefit. And it's a recognition that if you don't return to him, there will be an increasing breakdown and spoiling of all things that are good and beneficial because you're separated from the God who gives all good and beneficial things. So when you read the word repentance, don't think of it as a harsh word but as an invitation of God into blessing and purpose and life and a warning that apart from him and without turning to him, you go into judgment, you go into destruction. It's just the, the inevitable consequence of turning away from the God of life. And John comes calling the nation of Israel to God and repentance and warning them that if they don't repent, they will be cut down in judgment. And he uses the fig tree as an example, just as Jeremiah did. Now, when Jesus comes along, we're told that he carried on the same message that John carried on. You'll read that the Lord Jesus' message that he proclaimed, as it's typified for us in the first chapter of Mark, and also as he gave it to his disciples to preach, was the same message that John preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, turn to God. God's salvation is offered to you through myself. He has a way for you to enter into his kingdom. And so he had the same message that he was preaching, that John was preaching. And it's a message that also was preached by the prophets like Jeremiah. Now, there's a, a book that's very helpful for me in understanding this passage. It's a book called The Life of Christ in Stereo. It's, it's written by a gentleman named Johnston Cheney and a professor that I actually studied from when I was in seminary years ago. And the book takes the four gospel accounts and it folds them all together in one account and it does so in such a way that it doesn't add one Greek word and it doesn't take away one Greek word. It puts them all perfectly together and yet as you read these accounts from four different authors and you read the book, the beautiful thing is it's symmetrical. It reads and flows as if you're just reading from the Bible without any bumps or hiccups or confusion. 
He wrote it over a number of years, and as he was writing it, on multiple occasions, he would go through various theological panels of men who knew the Greek and the Hebrew, and he would answer questions they asked, and he would go back and continue working on, in a sense, what he called a scrapbook of the Gospels, put all together in one uniform way. It's actually a really wonderful book. I'd encourage you to get it. If it's not in print, I'd encourage you to find a used copy of it. The Life of Christ in Stereo. One of the things that he had a problem with was he had a difficulty putting all of them together unless he did one thing. And one thing that was traditionally believed but is not necessarily to believe. And that was that Jesus' ministry didn't last for three years. His public ministry lasted for four years. And that it spanned over a four-year period of time. And when he did that, it all began to make sense and fall into place. And he gives a very convincing argue for this position. And I agree with him. But one of the positions, he, one of his arguments is to take us to Luke chapter 13. Take your Bibles quickly and go to Luke chapter 13. And there he shares the account of the Lord Jesus during what he would have us consider to be the Feast of Passover. And here the Lord Jesus, around the time of the Feast of Passover, and this would be the second Feast of Passover before the last that Christ goes up to Jerusalem and offers himself up as the Passover lamb for our sins. And during this feast of Passover, in Luke chapter 13, a report comes to him of some Galileans who have offended the Roman authorities, Pilate, and Pilate has, in a sense, slaughtered them or killed them when they've come up to Jerusalem to make their sacrifices, so their blood is mixed with the sacrifices that they're bringing in the temple at that time. And there's a sense in those who are counting this news to the Lord Jesus that they're making a judgment on these Galileans, like they were a bunch of rebels and they were rabble rousers and causing trouble, and the Lord Jesus actually turns it on them and says, do you think that you're gonna escape judgment as well? If you don't repent, he says, if you don't repent, and he repeats it twice, in this first part of Luke, of Luke chapter 13, if you don't repent, the same thing is going to happen to you. You're going to fall under the judgment of Rome as well, is what he's saying to them. And then he shares this parable in verses 6 through 9 of Luke chapter 13. Let's read it together. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. What was the fruit that John the Baptist was looking for? Repentance. What was the fruit that Jeremiah saw and commended as good in Jeremiah 24? Repentance. Who was the fig tree? It was Israel. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? Now, if the Lord Jesus had only been ministering for two years at that point in time, it wouldn't quite make sense that he would say three years, but it fits if he has carried out a ministry, a public ministry for three years, calling for repentance and looking for the repentance of the nation, this makes sense. It's not bore fruit, cut it down. But he, the keeper of the fig trees, the grove, says, answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it, and if it bears fruit well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. Now the message here is repent. The message is that God is looking for repentance. The message is that there's been a failure to repent. It is a clear declaration, as in many of the Lord Jesus' parables, and what we'll also see in these parables, if you read them in Matthew chapter 21 through 25, it's a clear series of parables addressing the needs of the nation of Israel and their leaders to address this issue of repentance. 
It's the nation of Israel that's in view in this parable. God has been looking for its repentance over the three years of Christ's ministry. Israel has failed to bring forth that fruit of repentance. It should be cut down. The Lord Jesus pleads its cause. Let it go one more year. Give it one more year and more time to produce the important fruit. If it doesn't, then it will be cut down. So now let me take you to Matthews 21 through 25. Now the Lord Jesus is in Jerusalem at the time of Passover and a year has passed. The year is over. And he comes into Jerusalem for the last Passover. And you know, we know the story. He's received by the people. Rejoice. Hosanna is the name, one who comes in the name of the Lord. And the first thing he does is he enters into the temple and he cleans out the temple because there are robbers and thieves in it. And he throws over the table of the money changers. And he pronounces at that point in time a judgment against the leaders for making God's house of prayer to be a, a place where they're simply seeking to gain their own advantages and enrich themselves on, in the temple. And then he leaves and he goes out to Bethany. And the next morning he comes back, that's on a Sunday, he comes back into Bethany and now it's a Monday morning and as he comes back into Bethany, he sees a fig tree and it has leaves on it. One of the things you need to understand is that the way I understand it works is that the fig tree always produced its fruit first and then leaves. So he goes over to see if there's some fruit on it, even if it's just young fruit. It would have just been young fruit. And he, he goes over to see, and it has no fruit on it whatsoever. And the Lord Jesus pronounces a curse on that fig tree. He says, may you never bear fruit again. And then he walks on by. He goes into the city. He pronounces some further statements and judgment over the nation of Israel and its leadership throughout that day. He leaves that day. Goes back to Bethany. Tuesday morning, he's walking back into the city of Jerusalem again with his disciples from Bethany. And they see that same fig tree, and it's dead. It is dried up from the roots. It's withered away. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership, evangelism, and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are at work to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, and we need your prayers and your support. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.